0: Welcome to the Darrell McLean Show. I'm your host Darrell McClain and let's get into our episode.
1: this money. It's T-Bone from T Bone and Chickpea with in the morning. Now available in podcast format. Simply search for the T-Bone and Chickpea Podcast available wherever. Find podcast or so.
0: The Darrow McLean Show is fully listener supported. Independent media that won't lead you to tribalism. You can get a membership for as little as three dollars a month at www.patreon.com/ slash the Darrow McLean Show. We talk about a lot of serious topics on this show. One very serious topic is women's health. One company that stood out to me was vslay.com because the owner is very transparent about her own struggles in the women's health department and has great customer service, great deals, and frequent sales. You can check her out, her great customer service, products about women's health, and frequent sales at www.vslay.com. That is www.vslay.com. L A Y dot com.
1: two individuals who've done more so loosen good... the. All right, sorry about that. We we've got so many people here that I think we are we are uh, kind of melting the servers, uh, which is a good sign. So it's keep
0: crashing, huh?
1: Yeah, I think we've got a, just a massive number of people online, so it's um, servers are straining somewhat. We're just sort of reallocating more uh, server sort of capability uh, to be able to handle the load here. It's uh, really going going crazy. And I think we melted the internet there. Yeah, that was insane. Sorry, we i uh, uh, actually doing this from uh, David Sachs' Twitter account uh, because it uh, looks like doing it from mine basically <laughs> broke the Twitter system. Governor Santos, uh, can, are you there? Can you hear us? I think you broke I, I you know, know. I think <laughs> I think you broke the internet there. We had over half a million people in one Twitter space. And it was growing by like fifty thousand a minute. So, uh, congrats on uh, on breaking the internet there. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, you I mean, try some, you know, new things you, you're gonna. Yes, uh, it's adventurous. So, yes. Are there policy differences, or is it more about electability and how you would implement those policies, even if you agree on them? Well, why now? I think it's because the country's going in the wrong direction. We have another four years of the Biden administration. Uh, I think some of the damage is going to be irreversible. What we've been able to do in Florida is two things. One, we've had unprecedented policy success. All the things that we believe as Republicans or as conservatives for many, many years, we've been able to take those values and those principles and actually turn them into reality. Do you plan on participating in all the debates? And would you have a word of counsel for any candidates that were maybe equivocating on whether or not to participate in all the debates? I think we should debate. I think the people want to hear it. Uh, You know, I grew up blue collar, working minimum wage jobs and learned nobody's entitled to anything in this world. Trey, you've got to earn it. And I think all of us have to go out and earn it. That's exactly what I intend to do. And I think the debates are a big part of the process.
0: Welcome to the Darrell McLean Show. I am your host, Darrell McLean. Today is Thursday, May the 25th of 2023, and you are actually listening to episode 346. That being said, I want to start off with issuing an apology and a correction. I try to be very correct and precise about something I say. And if you listened to the episode on yesterday, you heard me say, That it was episode uh, 546. And that is incorrect. You are currently listening to episode 347. So maybe I was just uh, trying to manifest that there will be a 500th episode eventually. And we will get there together. But at any rate. Welcome to the Darrell McLean show. Today is May the 25th. You're listening to episode 347th. What you have just heard is Ron DeSantis officially has stepped in the ring and decided he is going to run to be president of these great United States of America. It did not start well. I would just say that with the him him trying to do something that was different he wanted to launch his campaign in a different manner than before and he picked to do that with Twitter Elon Musk and it did not go well the there were so many people trying to watch the stream which is was just like I don't know like a kind of like a my office thing that Twitter kept crashing started crashing almost Immediately, and uh, and and you would have thought that not Ron DeSantis but Elon Musk would have figured this out. That if he fires half of the staff that he like he did when he took over the company, that he may not actually have the people power to pull something like this off. And that's exactly what happened. But what actually, um ended up happening in that is Ron DeSantis actually got up and left The the thing was 25 minutes late. Uh, It came up. It wasn't great. The questions were scripted. It was boring. Ron DeSantis, the second part of what you heard, then went to Fox news with a former Congressman Trey Gowdy and uh, actually did a Very good job, had a very good interview, and you should probably go listen to that. That is how I think a normal campaign should have been launched. He should have put out a video saying he was going to run for president and then had a massive rally so he could control the optics. And, you know, this was a misstep. Missteps happen in campaigns. Of course, the media is going to make a big deal out of it. Uh, And not only is the media going to make a big big deal out of it, the person who is great with optics and knowing the media, knowing how to play the media and having the statue put in the right way and having the plane sitting right here that says Trump and him standing in front of it. The person that does that perfectly is the former president of the United States, 45 Donald John Trump. And so, of course, Donald Trump did not take this DeSantis entering the race laying down. And, of course, the, with that part of the what you heard when he said, I think everybody should debate, is because Donald Trump had previously said he wasn't going to debate. Oh, I think he's going to be itching to debate now. I think he's going to be itching to debate now. And Donald Trump didn't take it laying down. And he had something to say. And we're going to go to that.
1: Well, I've been proud as governor to stand for a culture of life. And I think all Republicans need to do that. As you alluded to, we were able to sign uh, legislation protecting unborn child with a detectable heartbeat. And we think that that's a humane thing to do. Uh, and it's similar to what Governor Reynolds did in Iowa. Uh, and I applaud her for that. Uh, Dobbs returned the issue to the elected representatives of the people. And so I think that there's uh, there's role for both the federal uh, and the states. 16, President Trump defeats the liberals and heads to Washington to drain the swamp. But swamp creature Ron DeSantis is about to start his third term in Congress, and he's already voted repeatedly to cut Social Security and Medicare. 2017, Trump passes huge tax cuts for nearly everyone. And Ron DeSantis, he's pushing a bill that would swap those tax cuts for a new 23% national sales tax, making families pay more. 2018, Trump is building a wall, securing the border, fighting the invasion, while Ron DeSantis is voting against funding for Trump's wall. In Washington, one was a leader, and one
0: let us down. Now, that attack is significant. Because if you look at the differences in the approach, and this is what we have to wrestle with about this. We have to be very clear and, and concise. Donald Trump, the former president of the United States, has no problem putting out an ad where he says by name, Ron DeSantis. People... And I'm going to have a debate about this fairly soon. I think that Donald Trump is afraid of Ron DeSantis. He sees him as the biggest threat. And I say no. Donald Trump is politically aware. He can read the room. And he knows who may be his uh, biggest opponent. And he has already started the attack. On the other end of that coin, when you hear... Ron DeSantis on Fox News, and it has been widely reported that Rupert Murdoch and the Mercers and all these people have pivoted and they want Ron DeSantis to be president. In uh, that area, Ron DeSantis does an entire interview where he somewhat attacks President Trump without ever actually saying his name. That is something that I don't think Is going to actually work. I don't think that is going to work. I don't think that's a a model. And and the thing is. I looked at some polling. That Ron DeSantis actually outperforms Trump's with independents. But the problem is. Those independents are not voting in the Republican primary. Will Ron DeSantis be able to outperform Donald Trump. In a Republican primary and I'm not sure that he can and I have invited uh the uh the host of over opinionated uh on the show to have this discussion because he was a uh Trump supporter uh I think he took 30,000 calls uh a f- phone bank for Donald Trump and is now a DeSantis supporter. And so I want, to, I want us to hear what he has to say about um, this and how he thinks it's going to happen. But before And so that's going to happen. Um, but I also want us to hear that Trump hit Ron DeSantis on something that I think is going to be very, very critical. Policy. He talked about in that ad, year after year, what Ron DeSantis was doing in Congress versus who he is or who he purports to be now. He hit him on, which means that they already have the records. And it means that he's already been prepping for debates, even though, you know, he alluded to the fact that he won't do them. He knows Ron DeSantis's voting record and that is a big deal that's a massively big deal because that means that he knows that there are votes that he took that he'd be embarrassed by and so that is going to come up so uh ron desantis finally has stepped into this fight and donald trump was already ready he was already hitting before uh, DeSantis even was in the arena. Now, with that being said, he did something that I thought was somewhat funny, even though it was, uh you could say it was immature. And he introduced AI into the matter because it wasn't just that policy thing. He literally uh, did a, a mock AI phone call with Ron DeSantis and some of the worst people. Uh, on the face of the earth So uh, I'm going to let you hear that For a comedy Appeal uh, For comedy's sake I should say
1: Hi everyone, welcome to our Ron DeSantis Twitter space Hello? Is my microphone Working correctly? George, can you just Wait while we... No Can you hear me? We can all hear you, George Can you just hold on for a second?
0: I don't think they can hear me <coughs> I can hear you fine, George Just speak to I the don't microphone. think George knows
1: how to use Twitter hello uh, can you hear me now can i please make my big announcement now everyone just hello just shut up george can somebody just mute george <coughs> Dick, could, could you try not to cough on the <clears> phone <throat> okay so how are we going to take out trump you guys uh uh guys from the fbi this is not a private call this is a public twitter space everyone can listen in god damn it uh, anyway, guys, we uh, invited everyone to this uh, this Twitter space so Governor Ron DeSantis could. <laughs> everyone just shut the hell up so I can make my announcement, okay? You go, girl. Wait, the devil is gay? So what? Everyone in this call is gay. Stay with us. We'll be right back.
0: It goes without saying that this show does not happen without listener support. Support the Darrell McLean Show by going to www.patreon.com and getting a membership for three dollars, or you can go to buzzsprouts.com/slash the Darrell McLean Show and hit the subscribe button and join there. Many ways to donate to the show. Independent media that won't reinforce tribalism. We have one planet. Nobody is leaving, so let us reason together. www.patreon.com slash the McLean Show or go to Buzzsprouts and to the Darrell McLean Show and subscribe. So that was just uh, Donald Trump's team having a little bit of fun with what is uh, AI. And that made lift his head. Uh, and show its face in this race, and that was actually pretty funny. If you watch the video, it's got uh, it, it mimics this the same launch, and then the people on the call are uh, George Soros, uh, Dick Cheney, Elon Musk, uh, Adolf Hitler, the devil, the FBI—you know—and uh, some of the worst people you could uh, probably think of, and. And the theme is, not the theme is all these people are out to take down uh, President Donald Trump. And it was just well done. It was a funny light. Now on to something a more serious. The debt ceiling. And we're going to go to Fox News, actually. Fox News has published on May 24th of this year. A op-ed from title Biden Must Resist Republican Debt Selling Demands Here's What He Needs to Do Instead Subtitle U.S. Economy Out of Touch With Lives of Most Americans, Biden Must Resist the GOP Debt Plan That Would Make Things Worse Now, of course, if this sounds strange already, Note I said Fox News just because this is an opinion piece written at foxnews.com from the senator from Vermont, uh, Bernie Sanders. And it says, we are at a pivotal moment in American history. In the coming days, decisions will be made with respect to our federal budget and the national debt that could impact the lives of virtually every American in our country. In my view, the debate we are having on the debt ceiling is about our national priorities. It's about what we value as a nation and whose side we are on. At a time of unprecedented wealth inequality, when the top 1% has never had it as good, and when three people on the t- at the top own more wealth than the bottom half of our society, do we finally demand that the billionaire class start paying their fair share of taxes or do we shower the wealthy and well-connected with trillions of dollars in new tax breaks? At a time where corporations are making enormous profits by jacking up the price of healthcare, prescription drugs, gasoline, and groceries, do we finally end the huge loopholes that exist in our rigged tax code that allow large corporations to avoid paying their fair share of taxes? Or do we eliminate the corporate minimum taxes passed last year that prevents giant profitable corporations from paying nothing in federal income taxes after making billions in profits? At a time when we pay by far the highest prices in the world for prescription drugs, do we finally take on the greed of the pharmaceutical industry and substantially reduce the price of what Medicare and American people pay for life-saving medicine? Or do we continue to allow the pharmaceutical industry to bankrupt Medicare and cancer patients by charging outrageously high prices at the pharmacy counter? At a time when the United States spends more on the military, $877 billion, than the next 10 nations combined, do we finally begin to eliminate the enormous waste, fraud, and cost overruns that exist at the Department of Defense? Do we address the information revealed in the recent 60 Minutes investigation that the documented the billions in price gouging that defense contractors steal from taxpayers? Or do we continue to appropriate more money for the Pentagon than our generals have requested? Sadly, Republicans have made their priorities abundantly clear throughout the budget negotiation. If Congress does not agree to impose massive cuts on the needs of working people, the elderly children, the sick and the poor, they will allow for the first time in our history, the U.S. to default on the national debt. The action will be devastating and have a devastating impact on our economy, destroy millions of jobs, cause interest rates on mortgages and auto loans to skyrocket. The hypocrisy, of the Republicans in Washington is truly breathtaking. Over and over again, we hear from Republican leadership about how deeply concerned they are about the large deficit and the national debt that they have. Really, if that's the case, then why have they been pushing for the complete repeal of the estate tax, which benefits a handful of multi-billionaire families, but would increase the federal deficit by $1.8 trillion? Why are they pushing for an extension of the Trump tax breaks that disproportionately benefit the wealthy and large corporations and would increase the federal deficit by $3.5 trillion? Why do they want huge increases in defense spending that would increase the national debt by hundreds of billions of dollars? While def- defaulting on our nation's debt would be a disaster, So would enacting the budgets that uh, Republicans passed in the House in April. Here are just some estimated impacts of what is included in the budget to cut non-defense discretionary spending by at least 20% 20, uh, 20 next year. Deep and sweeping budget cuts that will push 7,900 Americans out of their jobs and push our economy toward a recession. Up to 21 million Americans could lose Medicaid, ripping away the health care they need. 80,000 jobs would be cut from the Department of Veterans Affairs alone, and millions of veterans would be forced to wait much longer for the care and benefits they need. 1.2 million women, infants, and children would not receive the nutrition they need to healthy through the special supplemental nutrition program for women, infants, and children, WIC program. Nutrition services such as Meals on Wheels would be cut for more than 1 million low-income seniors. 640,000 families would lose access to rental assistance and more than 430,000 low-income families would be evicted from their homes. 200,000 children would be thrown off Head Start and 180,000 kids would lose access to child care. 2 million Americans would lose access to the health care services through community health centers. In other words, while the top 1% owns more wealth than the bottom 90% of the population, and when 60% of the American workers are living paycheck to paycheck, the budget would cause massive suffering for the most vulnerable people in the country. The willingness of some Republicans to hold the world's economy hostage to these draconian and cruel demands has made it extremely difficult to enact a bipartisan budget deal at this time. So where do we go from here? In my view, there is only one option. President Biden has the authority and the responsibility under the 14th Amendment of the Constitution to avoid a default. The language that is in the amendment is quite clear. It says, quote, The validity of the public debt of the United States shall not be questioned. This is a constitutional gesture that that the uh, U.S., will always pay all its debts, period. This is not a radical idea making sure that the United States continue to pay its bills, regardless of whether the stationary increase in debt ceiling is raised or not, is an idea that is supposed to be reported by both Republicans and Democrats. Back in 2016, then-President Donald Trump was correct when he said, the United States government, first of all, You have to you if you ever have to default because you print money. First of all, you never have to print or default because you print the money is what he said. I'm sorry. So using the 14th Amendment would allow the United States to continue to pay its bills on time without a delay, prevent an economic uh, catastrophe. And prevent huge cuts to health care, education, child care, affordable housing, nutrition assistance, and the needs of our veterans. It must be exercised. Now, that was a good uh, take um, from the senior senator from Vermont, only because I think he, just like Trump, got, he tried to do this best to get right to the root of what the issue is and the root of the issue is when it comes to these budget talks uh, especially when it comes to the debt ceiling is not just who is going to be hurt the most if it is not raised I think even though that is a, uh, something to consider but also who is going to uh, be hurt if the debt ceiling is raised but there are significant uh, uh, budget cuts that that at least in this point is per, is uh, questioned and asked for of course I always will wrestle with what people do when they're in power Democrats could have nipped this in the bud by literally writing the debt c- uh, ceiling uh, pretty much out as if it was something that was no longer relevant and needed uh, I don't know and I looked at the terminology earlier. But I forgot. But either way, this fight could have been fought and won a long time ago. and But here we sit. Because strategically, what needed to be done was not done. So now we have to pretend as if the positions are actually popular. I don't think that, and I said this before when people talk about where to cut, where to cut, where to cut. They always particularly make sure they're very careful to point to programs that they themselves don't use, don't need. But they ignore the fact that their constituents use those uh, uh, benefits. And they benefit from them. And it is a debate and a fight between the boss and and the worker, the boss is trying to curve as many of those benefits as possible so he can get more money in his pocket. And the worker is trying to add benefits because they believe they bring more value to the company. So the company should be able to pay for you working out and staying alive and staying healthy, etc. But I did like the op-ed. Uh, thank you uh, from the Center for Vermont for... A, a keeping it, it into an economic perspective, and this is the same thing that Donald Trump did when he was criticizing uh, the candidate Rudy Giuliani. I, I'm, I'm sorry, when he was criticizing um, Ron DeSantis, he stuck. If you listen to what he said, he stuck to an economic message. In that video, he only brought up. Policy, He brought up uh, uh, the, the, the kitchen table issues. And this is what this debate is going to be about. Uh, it's not just about uh, the likability politics. It's not just about who can beat this person. It's literally about the plan that they choose to fight, the, the playing field. One person has led heavily into the cultural war issues and one person has led heavily into right-wing populism, economic populism. And I think that when you really get down to the nitty-gritty, that's where the question is going to hang. And uh, but, but either way, uh, the debt ceiling is something that it just happens. Uh, every so few years, when uh, normally when there's a divided government, the debt ceiling comes up. I mean, when Donald Trump was president, they raised the debt ceiling over and over and over again without a fight. Uh, when Ronald Reagan was president, I think they raised it 18 times without a fight. The fight happens when Jimmy Carter's president. The fight happens when. Uh, LBJ is president. The fight happens when Bill Clinton is president. Anybody that's not in the a GOP has to deal with the debt ceiling problem. And uh, that's just the nature of it. And like and I, I said, this could have all been handled a while back when Democrats had the presidency and the Congress and the Senate. I think that there's a specific reason why it didn't happen. And that reason is because there's a lot of people playing theater right now. A lot of people pretend like they like a lot of policies and they really don't. And they have this thing that they do uh, called the revolving bad guy. And they do that to make sure they actually don't get anything done. And But they can periodically point to each other and say, well, you see, I couldn't get anything done because... Old meanie over there did this thing. There's nothing I can do. hands are tied. When really, they had no intention of doing the thing in the first place. And the, the other person gladly takes the hit. Because they're not having to deal with their own constituency. It's a out of, out of town, out of state type of thing. Out of the city type of thing. And, and it's a game that everybody plays. And the sad part is that when while they're playing this little game, they forget that there are actual lives on the other side of that. I know people who lost a lot of money in stocks. I know a lot of people who's made a hell of a lot. I know people who were two years from retirement and the thing went from $120,000 in their portfolio to being worth $30,000 and they're sitting around hoping that if knee a few little ones they have left, it starts to at least go higher because they know they can't retire off $30,000. This system operates as if it's rigged, and that's why people are cynical. So, from what I will say, whether you're a Republican or Democrat, you had the senior senator from Vermont lay out some rules and maybe some prescription of why. It is our job to wrestle with whether we find that to be wholly adequate or not. Right back with more on the Darrell Clan show. So guys, as we discuss, I'm very blessed and fortunate to have loyal patrons as well as listeners. And if you want to get a uh subscription to the show when you get to the amazing show notes, you can find that in that uh the the notes. But I have a show question from one of the patrons. It says recently a few Republican lawmakers questioned uh Janet Yellen's June 1st deadline for the debt limit resolution and asked how to review her resolution for picking this question uh date. So um is Yellen obliged to reply accordingly? So the thing is the answer would be no, and I don't necessarily think that is a good thing, because the Federal Reserve is not really—it's uh, not really beholden to the uh, U.S. government like it should be. There used to be a big push to audit the Fed and stuff like that, and people were surprised when the Fed just said. No, (laughs) you know, and there was nothing they could do about it. Uh, So uh, the answer would be no. And it would, you know, I'm actually this question was such a good question that I'm going to commit one episode now to talking about the Fed because. So that's going to be one of those one-topic shows where I get into all the nuances of the Fed, and I'm going to go through—it's going to be a wild ride. I'm going to go through uh, what I know that is verifiable, and then I'm going to get into a bunch of conspiracies. And So we're going to talk about the Fed. The other um, show question I have is, what happens to the schedule June 8th auctions for 3rd and 10th and 30-year notes if the debt limit is not agreed? Well, the answer to that is uh, they will be postponed. In 2015, the two-year notes were rescheduled by a few weeks after the debt ceiling increase was passed. So thank you for those amazing questions. And if you want to support the show, independent media that won't lead you to tribalism, we have One Planet Nobody is leaving and let us reason together you can do so. By, uh, either going to buzzsprouts dot com slash the Darrell McLean Show, there's a subscription there, or you can go to www.patreon.com dot patreon dot com slash the Darrell McLean Show and become a Patreon as well. Many ways we we take all forms of of payment at the Darrell McLean Show. We try to be very versatile while doing that. Some let me tell you uh, something that came across that I saw that I think you may want to know about. So, Stuart Rhodes was given 18 years in prison for helping to mobilize the January 6th attack. The longest sentence yet. The sentence was the most severe penalty so far in any of the more than one criminal cases stemming from the January 6th attack on the Capitol and the first to be increased for fighting the legal, uh, I'm sorry, the, the, for, the first to uh, be increased to that 18 years because he fit the legal definition of terrorism. A, a while back I did a show and I said the word of the day is stochastic terrorism. And I started to hear everybody throw that around, and I'm very happy that I have that type of influence, right? But this is a big deal, and we have to dig into this as well. And I will do this with you uh, in the coming weeks. I'm going to dig into that. I'm going to say something about, I I guess a bit of an update about uh, something I covered last week when uh, President Trump did the town hall. And what ended up happening and I s you know, when he talked about E. Jane Carroll is uh I said that it was probably something he shouldn't be talking about and he may run into the fact that because she won that case for five million dollars or so and that him doubling down and saying the same thing wasn't gonna vote well for him and E. Jane Carroll is seeking new damages now. From Donald Trump for comments he made on the CNN after the show, uh, she won the three million dollar defamation claim against him, but uh, she is uh, saying that during the town hall, she was set, saw, uh, was more maligned, so she's asking for an increase in the settlement that she just got uh, from the from the damages, you know and. So it's just one of those things. It, it, it is to where if I was a Donald Trump's lawyer, I would be telling the former president, you can not um, do these things. You can't make these statements because uh, you've. it has now been proven there's a blueprint now to take you to court and win monetary gain and she she just EJ and Carol uh woman has kind of given people the road map and the the fact that you are free are, are freely speaking is actually going to make you get in more trouble um the show ran a bit long today uh, I do apologize but I have some more rather disturbing stuff to talk about On tomorrow's episode, and so I want you guys to buckle up. It will be one of the only times that I'm going to talk about something. um, I I just say this whole episode is going to be fairly disturbing. It's a sexual abuse uh, thing covered, uncovered. Over one thousand nine hundred minors sexually abused in Illinois. Uh, We'll be talking about. We're going to be talking about the FBI. Wrongly spying on 287,000 Americans. And it's going to be about the Durham report and the Russian investigation, which is probably going to upset a lot of people as well. And uh, so be prepared uh, for that on tomorrow. At any rate, thank you for tuning in and I will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Of course, if you want to support the show, you can do so by going to www.patreon.com and getting a membership for as little as $3 a month. Again, that's www.patreon.com slash The Darrell McLean Show. McLean Show is fully listener-supported, independent media that won't lead you to tribalism. Get a membership and support independent media at www.patreon.com slash the McLean Show.